uh, I struggled a lot with bullying at school. I uh, went to lots of different schools because of that and um, just found people were not my thing. Nature was my thing. Nature was my safe place. Long story short, ended up winning that. Um, whisked off to um, the European Parliament. The camera has become a sense of escapism, uh, almost an addiction. Am I, am I saying you met David Attenborough after that as well? Yes, that's it. And then I was just like, I remember at one point stood on a bridge, fill in the blank, um, and I was like, I can't, I can't do this. But I want to help people, and again, how can I do that? Through film. And basically yes. travelled from the north of the country, which is done ahead, yeah. down to the south of the country, which is the Lizard Point in Cornwall, um, via every single national park. And we hiked to the highest point of national park. Like, like struggling is an amazing thing because it's it's an opportunity to dig in deep. It's an opportunity to get intimate with ourselves. It's an opportunity to reach out for help and learn to build trust. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Outdoors Adventure podcast. I hope you're enjoying the weather and being out and about. I've just come back from... Um, a camping trip with the kids to Lake Bala in North Wales, just on the tip of southern east, southeastern, yeah, southeastern tip of the Snowdonia National Park, and it was fantastic. It was in the school holidays. They had a brilliant time splashing about in the lake. We went on a train ride, and we went paddleboarding and camping, and they just mucked about outdoors for three days solid which is lovely to see. It's always nice to see the kids enjoying the outdoors and getting them into it uh, nice and early. Uh, the interview that we've got this month is with Abby Barnes, and I'll introduce Abby Barnes in the interview a little bit, but I'm almost certain if you're into the outdoors and you've got the internet, you've probably come across some of her work. We dig down into how she's made the outdoors her life, her work, how it saved her on numerous occasions due to her mental health benefits um, and hear about her life and all sorts of adventurous stuff she's been up to. Okay, today I am here with Abby Barnes and Abby Barnes is a uh, presenter, filmmaker and mountain leader. And if you've never come across some of Abby's videos on YouTube, then chances are you've probably never been on YouTube because the amount of content that Abby puts out is insane. So welcome to the show, Abby. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. It's much appreciated. We should probably let everyone know this is round two as well. So <laughs> thanks for coming on for a second time. The first time we were plagued with technical issues. Me and my dodgy internet. <laughs> Uh, so I do appreciate it. Um, we'll start uh, as we started last time. Uh, what I'm quite interested in, and when I get guests on here, is we know. Well, we, people might know a little bit about you. Yeah? I think most people will if they're into the outdoors. Like I say, you've got quite a good brand and uh, quite a lot of YouTube content, uh, which we'll come on to a little bit later. What I'm keen to hear is sort of where the inspiration for all of that came from in the first place. Uh, where your love of the outdoors came from and is there uh, a point where you can sort of pinpoint where where it, that initiated from no i think it's a really great sort of setting the scene question as you say um so i would say just my love of the outdoors and making films in particular are something i've carried for a very long time um i find it on the one hand youtube is really great for storytelling but it you know if you go all the way back like there's videos of me in my garden like shooting films about snails for crying out loud like you know this has been a, a long-term <laughs> investment <laughs> um but no my love of the outdoors is has been a lifelong thing i grew up in you know pretty outdoorsy family um and i i do think that's sort of part of uh where my passion comes from but i would say the majority of it is very sort of self-sculpted in a sense that uh, I struggled a lot with bullying at school. Uh, I went to lots of different schools because of that and um, just found people were not my thing. Nature was my thing. Nature was my safe place. Um, and I just spend a lot of time in the fields and the forests around our home on the edge of a little country town. And uh, just sort of really, rather than building relationships with my peers, because that was not going so well just because I was different, uh, I was building relationships with the foxes and the badgers and the rabbits and the birds and really just honing my 
knowledge and understanding of the natural world around me, sort of, of you know, British wildlife, essentially. Um, I wouldn't say there was anything outstanding, like there were no ospreys, there's no sea eagles there in Somerset. But, you know, I think there's so much to see around us when we really open all of our senses. Like I've got very um, toned into or tuned into different songbirds and, you know, which bird is which, what's an alarm call, what's a song, what's a communication call and all of that sort of thing. And I would watch uh, fox cubs growing up and it was just, it was, you know, really special to me just actually being fully immersed in the transient beauty of nature whatever the weather. Um, I had a walk that I do every single day, sometimes a couple of times a day, and just seeing all those like changes throughout the seasons. Um, I, I don't know, it's it's just, it's really created me into who I am today with my passion um, for nature and, and, and the, the power of nature for our sense of positive well-being. Um, I think it was, well, it was only later on in my life that I actually was able to put some language to that and understand that nature had saved my life over and over again. Um, it had been my safe place, but I, I can't express the weight of that sentence enough. Um, maybe we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more later on. Um, but yeah, then I, I really picked up a camera when I was about 13 years old, a video camera, um, and just was filming my local wildlife. I sort of had set my heart as a young person on becoming a wildlife camera person. And um, as I say, school was just one of those rudimentary things you had to go through. Um, It's just the system. I hated the system. Still not a big fan of the system. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, I was already working hard, like, right, what qualifications can I do to sort of build my skill set up? I was looking at um, sort of getting into scuba diving, trying different, you know, climbing things. I didn't actually pursue anything very seriously um because uh, again in hindsight now i understand i was struggling a lot with my mental health and just sort of working through all of these barriers was very difficult um and then yeah i'm happy to sort of break it down a little bit more later on but long story short i ended up reading a children's book uh, by mark morpurgo um called running wild which was about this young boy and his mum who went on holiday to sumatra and tragically they were caught in the boxing day tsunami Um, And this young boy ended up in the forest looking after these two baby orangutans and they're eating figs off the trees. And I just like it's such a visual memory. You know how you're a kid when you have those like select few things. I was like, man, I was in the trees with those orangutans and that kid. (laughs) And uh, I guess that really just speaks to the power of of writing, really, isn't it? And and being really immersed in a story. Um, And then my heart ached because us as a, as a little gang of four, because I'm, I'm there in the image, we stumbled upon a palm oil plantation. So palm oil is, is an edible uh, plant oil grown in um, sort of Indonesia, Sumatra, um, and is found in 50 to 80% of household cosmetics and um, food products. And basically, uh, I, I say that my roots really are conservation because I started to talk about this issue in front of the camera. Um, and various other environmental issues and there goes my career a million miles an hour at the age of 13 so roots are just humble in the fields and then just suddenly it it explodes with this passion to try and make a difference and communicate through film amazing so i'm right in saying that that translated to you uh making a film when you were about 13 that got picked up uh, and and uh, taken elsewhere. Can you sort of tell us where that led to? Yeah, so Palma really was that first time I turned the camera on myself. Um, so I did my research. I set up a thing called World Orangutan Day, um, which is now being taken over by a charity. Um, and I just started to really try and leverage um, the the community around me to talk about this issue. And, and what is the issue? The issue simply is the fact that Palma is a monoculture uh, so it's a single plant. There's mass slash and burn deforestation of these immensely fragile habitats for uh, endemic species. So they're found only in that place, such as the Sumatran, Bornean, Indonesian orangutan. Um, you've got the tapirs, you've got the tigers, and on and on it goes. Never mind the plant species. Um, and of course, indigenous people, which is, is equally important, um, being displaced and uprooted. And quite frankly, it's just horrendous. Uh, And I was like, yeah, cool. This is a really far away issue. It's the other side of the planet, but it's not. It's in our homes and we have the choice to buy products, cosmetics with palm oil in or not. But at this time, we didn't have the choice because palm oil wasn't within the EU law. It it didn't have to be labelled. It was just under vegetable oil. So you had absolutely no idea whether that's coconut, rape, olive or palm. Um, 
And so my thing was like, we need to get this broken down so that people can choose whether or not they want to make the effort to avoid or just crack on with buying palm oil and contribute to that stuff. Like it really is that black and white. Um, so that was the mission I was on and I shot this short film and entered it into a young people's film competition which was hosted in partnership with Eurostar. Um, it was the young people's trust for the environment actually um, and long story short ended up winning that, um, whisked off to um, the European Parliament in partnership with Eurostar. I'm not sponsored <laughs> like by them, that's just how it was. <laughs> um, and <laughs> spoke to MEPs about this issue. We had a really good day, really good conversation. These were MEPs that had chosen to be there to support young people as future change makers or present day change makers. Um, and yeah, basically, long story short, a couple of years later, law was changed, EU law. And now if you go into a supermarket, you know, pick something like biscuits um, or bread, have a look on the back of the ingredients and pretty much guarantee you, you'll be able to see palm oil, palm fat, palm kernel oil, whatever it is. Um, generally, if there's the word palm, then, you know, it's originating from that palm fruit. Um, and you can choose whether to vote with your note or not. And it's as simple as that. Um, I'm not really one for excuses. I think life involves sacrifices if we really want to be implementers of change. Um, so, yeah, it was obviously a phenomenal thing um, yeah. to, to have done. And <laughs> I don't post the pictures of myself, um, <laughs> of me in the European Parliament. I don't have very many. But I just <laughs> I look immensely overwhelmed. Like, I say all of this super casually at the age of 26. This was half my lifetime ago. But it was a massive deal, you know, um, but it still roots me to my passion, which is, you know, to use film uh, as a as a medium to create positive change in the world. Um, and that's really the mission I've been on ever since. <laughs> that's amazing. It's such an incredible thing for a 13 year old to do as well. I mean, I'm trying to think back when I was 13, what, <laughs> what I was doing, I was mucking about with my mates and stuff. There was sort of no psyche. There must be something different about you to think oh, I'm going to pick up a camera and mm. want to record this with the world. I was still it, love can my you Lego, sort of... though. <laughs> ah, there we go. <laughs> Do you think there was... I'm just sort of thinking, like, what made you pick up that camera in the first place? Because that's sort of become your life now, isn't it? Like, the yeah. moment you first picked up a camera and thought, I'm going to muck about with this thing and see what I can create with this thing. Mm. And now you you base your whole life around it. Can you sort well, of think I back think to when, when that was? I think it's a funny one, really, because on the one hand, the camera has become a sense of escapism, uh, almost an addiction um, I think when you've been doing something for so long and you know as a, as a family my dad loved to sort of video us and capture our childhood growing up moments so the way I see it I've always been in front of the camera um, and nowadays fast forward 13 years I actually really struggle doing anything without a camera in hand um, <laughs> which is now sort of the flip side to that but I think you know put yourself in this situation so you know you don't have any friends you know you're not really feeling super secure in your home environment your strong safe connections are with the animals and the trees and the plants around you and then you hear of somebody coming to chop them down or kill them or displace them or whatever hor horrible situation like you're going to stand up and fight so if you flip that if somebody came into your home and was like ranting and raving and potentially getting physical like you're going to as a kid get straight into action like no matter what it's like you you bypass the logic and you're straight into you know survival and i you know i sort of see it as a little bit like that like my home my family was being threatened by these issues like it doesn't matter that they're orangutans and i've never seen one before still haven't would love to fulfill that goal um oh. but like you know these these foxes these badgers like for me it's the same thing like we are nature um and yeah maybe there was a slightly deeper connection or sense of responsibility as a young person but i just the way i see it what i love was being threatened and i had to do something about that um and i do mm. feel that anybody else would do the same thing in in a similar situation it just so happened to me like i had a very I, I do remember that thought of how can i reach as many people as possible and i just looked down at my hand it's like i have to talk to the camera i have to put this online like, i have to open myself up to being vulnerable talking about these difficult issues <laughs> very controversial issues at times everyone has an opinion yeah <laughs> um yeah just, of course just crack on yeah. with it because what i love is being threatened so 
yeah. I suppose also I'm th- I'm thinking sat here thinking as you're talking it's possibly a generational thing as well because mm. I'm 37 so sort of when I think back to when I was 13 there wasn't really YouTube, it wasn't really the internet I think yeah. we got the internet when I was 15 I didn't get my first mobile phone until I was 16 17 mm. so the the younger generation uh, have at least got the opportunity to spread the word like that mm. I think the first time I heard about Palmer correct me if I'm wrong but was it something to do with Jaffa Cakes? Yeah, quite possibly. Or Kit Kat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was uh, quite a big brand or something, and they were trying to make a stand about it, saying they were mm. just going to keep using it or something. And then Backlash was massive. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then am I, am I saying you met David Attenborough after that as well? Yes, that's it. So wow. um, how did that come about? a couple of years, I was still making films, um, but sort of decided... Do you know what? I will just say as a side caveat, like young people's film competitions or just competitions in general for creative work are a fantastic way to, I don't know, just create a strong foundation for for children and for young people. Like there's so many out there. Just give it a Google. Um, It's not like I've done it recently because I no longer fall in that category. Woe is me. Um, But... (laughs) Yeah, I, I just these these things have, they changed my life, you know, and they're so empowering um, for for young people, particularly if they are you know struggles around a situation. To have a focus of creating something for a competition's sake, I think is really really cool. Um, and so yeah, that was this this the second competition I entered. This time um, was a film about marine debris, and I actually properly like scripted it. I had time codes and everything. Um, I went and interviewed some local conservationists. Um, sort of created uh, or I ran a beach cleanup for the local community on the north coast here in Somerset Devon um, and it was super super cool actually like, I remember it was a February day it was snowing and yeah I had a good 20-25 people turn up and we create we, we picked up so much rubbish and I was like whoa like I've created this you know I put these ads in the newspapers and essentially yeah created a film to talk about marine debris um, and this film won the competition again so I was up in Twickenham, um, the is it Eco Tales, I think was the name of that organisation. Um, they had a, an event up in Twickenham in London. So we went up there, winners announced, David Attenborough is giving away the prizes. Um, and yeah, just had a really nice you know, opportunity to meet him, have a conversation. Uh, and again, just receive encouragement from somebody who everybody knows and respects. Oh. Like, what a guy, you know, it was, it was so special. Um, so yeah, that was the, the second major life event for me <laughs> uh, at age yeah i think i was like 15 <laughs> oh man yeah again what was it 15 <laughs> yeah. oh that's amazing and he's got he is you know i think he has probably done more of conservation than probably anyone in my generation i mean I, he's the sort of person that i look up to and some of the programs he's done are just all inspiring it's just to be able to meet him i think it's a lot of people's dream isn't it absolutely oh, yeah. uh, i bet it was an amazing day so uh, you're right in saying if you go on if you go on Abby's YouTube um, channel, uh, you look. If I, I scroll back to sort of some of the really really early videos that you put on there, it's changed a lot. It's yeah, changed that. a lot. It? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you're right in saying it was very conservation heavy, wasn't it? And then it just sort of seemed like it sort of flipped a little bit more towards the outdoors and mental and physical benefits of utilizing the outdoors and stuff. So where, where did that sort of flip come from? So you're into the conservation side of things. Where did the whole outdoors job come from? Well, I'll try and keep it um, reasonably tidy because I'll be honest, it's exceptionally messy. Um, and it's all very complicated <laughs> in my head because as anybody who's been through sort of mental health challenges, it can quite quickly just become a mess and a blur and you sort of remember things and you forget things. Um, but long story short, um, the next big thing for me was uh, literally two two weeks out of college, um, age 18, flying across to Africa, um, to Tanzania, to summit Mount Kilimanjaro, the highest peak um, in Africa. Uh, creating a film with world-renowned conservationists about global climate change and the effect of that on the glaciers, because it's got glaciers on top, um, and the endemic wildlife and the local people and tourism. Because basically, um, in the last sort of 30 years now, um, sort of most of the glaciers have disappeared. Um, I'm steering away from a quote because it's been a while since, <laughs> well, nearly 10 years since I was up there. Um, but yeah, so shooting that film and sort of came back... Um, from that trip and just had an immense slump um I didn't really leave the house for a few months I had no sense of direction um I was feeling really 
just very unsure about going into broadcast work, which was and still is my passion um, or, you know, ultimate goal. Um, but the reason for all of this was at college, I sort of learned the language of mental health and I'd really come to understand just how much I was struggling um, sort of with various issues. Uh, you know, I was having to see three professionals every single day just to check I was safe um it was it was a really really difficult time and I think the reality is you know at college I'd learned that it had been a really difficult time for a long time and that was why nature was my safe place so I was looking back and then looking forwards um I sort of ended up just going like I can't I can't do this I have to earn some money um I can't not work um my creative flair is completely gone I don't feel like I have the confidence because you really do have to be like owning your space in order to get into professional film um or you know production so i just basically knocked on the doors of some local gyms and was offered a chance to sort of train up as a personal trainer um and so my life kind of sidestepped into people um and i was working as a pt various gyms uh, gyms locally i was sort of teaching spinning boxercise that sort of thing and it was great. Like I had my days where I enjoyed it, but it was still a massive push when I was struggling so much. Um, and I think, well, generally everybody knew about it because there are lots of visual signs, but um, it was it was just a massive blur over time. Um, but then I remember in 2016, I just, I knew I had to get back into hiking. And I say back into hiking, it was, this is what I mean by a mess. Like it was, um, it was 2012 that I'd done my first backpacking trip that was with my mum just as a holiday and yeah. we did the West Highland Way. And then every year, retrospectively, we'd do another hike. Um, and that was generally staying in B&Bs. Somehow the biggest rucksack I've ever carried in my life was when we <laughs> stayed in B&Bs. Um, but yeah, and, and, and so 2016, I decided I needed to get back into film um, and I wanted to document the national trails. So national trails are designated hiking routes across the UK, um, obviously overseen and managed by the National Trails Organization. Um, at the time, there were 15. They were two and a half thousand miles in total. And my goal was to spend the entire year walking and filming these trails to create an archive and sort of explore what makes each trail unique. Um, so I set out trail one, fine, trail two, sort of fine, trail three, really not fine. Um, I, you know, I was struggling so much with my mental health, trying to keep it away from the camera because I'm trying to be all out professional and use this as a bit of a portfolio thing. And then I was just like, I remember at one point stood on a bridge, fill in the blank. Um, and I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I turned the camera on myself and I started to talk about how I was feeling, um, in a very sort of superficial way, but it was the first time I'd opened up to the camera as my friend. Um, and thus begins the realisation and the journey towards uh, spend more time in the wild as it is now, where, you know, it, it's, it's about getting outside for mental and physical health. It's about the power of being immersed in nature, that mindful aspect, the challenge, the metaphor of the trail as life. And so it all begins. And, you know, quite frankly, the reason why I do what I do is because it saved my life over and over again. And without a doubt, still does. Um, you know, I have long term mental health struggles and that just is what it is. So, you know, I, I kind of need to do what I do um, in order to stay well myself. Um, and yeah, it's just been a whirlwind of a journey, immense ups and downs um, and just gradually more and more of every film putting more of myself out there. Um, and somehow I am where I am today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a story that I think over the last 10, 15 years, obviously um, the uh, explosion in our understanding of mental health issues uh, is, has grown considerably. Uh, and I think we all know someone with mental health issues, but then I think quite often... Um, there's, there has to be some sort of outlet, doesn't there, to to for you to be able to sort of control it, yeah. whether that's with medication, whether that's with um, a hobby or whatever. But because I do this podcast, the amount of interviews that I do that come back to the mental health benefits of just getting outside mm-hmm. is incredible, isn't it? I mean, I've said it maybe once or twice before on the podcast. I think in Scotland they they subscribe nature. Yeah, <laughs> now, to people like basically with mental health issues and it's uh it's got a particular name to it a particular scientific name but essentially they're saying get out in nature more because mm-hmm. there's so many studies out there now which just show the mental health benefits of getting outside mm-hmm. 
So I can sort of I've, I've joined the dots now with your journey. I think uh, yeah. and can completely understand why you why you are where you are today. The interesting thing is is you've gone from age thirteen from picking up a camera to twenty six now of essentially making a career for yourself. Was there ever any psyche apart from when you when you obviously went to got to to you to do your PT work? Was there ever any psyche in you that thought I'm going to be working with someone else for the rest of my life, or was it always a case of did you think you'd always end up where you are today or would you think you're gonna be working for other people i'm a firm believer that we're very multi-layered multifaceted beings like we're not just what we see and i think even if my mind had gone i'm okay with working for somebody else for the rest of my life like my spirit was so unsettled um i just it wasn't right you know and and quite frankly I was just getting freaking fed up, like, I'm really, really blunt, like, you're in a gym, people paying stupid amounts of money, who, quite frankly, don't have the money to spend that, uh, or, you know, the, the facilities to spend that much money, because they're basically being conned into coming to a gym, for me to not actually be able to help them, because of the amount of time and, and, and energy we can actually invest with each other under the parameters of this certain brand that I was working for. And for me, the whole thing was just corrupt. I was like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Like, I'm, I'm a, I love, I, I think gyms are great. I really see their, their point. I see, I love the community that they offer. I still will go to the gym every so often because um, of the equipment and things you've got available. But I do think quite often they miss the beat. You know, like we are a, a rounded beings and you can't just isolate out exercise as a one hour thing you do in a day like we need to move you know and trying to educate people sort of on their basal metabolic rate like this is what your body actually needs to exist <laughs> and on and on it goes like it's too much information for people and quite frankly they just want to cough up the money and have a quick fix and i was getting so frustrated with that um you know and, and it was it was around 2017 you know i hadn't shot any films for a couple of um years and I basically decided like, I need to get out. Like I need to try and find my brave because this is just destroying me. Like I'm not helping these people because they don't want to help themselves. Um, and I'm going under further and further. I need to try and set an example. Um, you know, so basically I went, went off to Morocco um, and climbed Tubacor in winter, which is the highest mountain in Morocco. Oh, um, it's on my to-do list. It, I'd love to do that. It's so oh. good. Um, <laughs> Again, a real step out of the comfort zone, you know, um, and I can't put myself in the shoes and be like, why did I do that? Like, it just, I don't know. I just remember being on top of Tubacore. Um, and again, sort of coming down and talking to the camera about like, this is good for me, man. Like, I'm suffering. Being out here is making me feel good. I've pushed myself. I struggled at the altitude. The second peak we did was gnarly. But I'm coming down through the snow, happy as, like, what an amazing feeling and I, how can I capture this and translate this into my everyday life and I think that's something I ask myself every single day you know the moments where we feel good how can we implant that more in our life and make that more accessible and you know real like so yeah it was it was around 2017 that sort of wild came up as an idea I started thinking about sort of brand names and what can I do and you know I'll be completely honest the initial mission statement was to inspire and empower people to get outside to create mem lasting memories in order to protect nature for future generations to come so it was all about people building their own relationship with nature and then wanting to protect it so that conservation was still the heart of what i was doing um mm. and it's really over time well it was about 2018 that it sort of morphed into much more focus on well-being and i think taking the the foot off the pedal with the conservation because it sort of comes naturally um you don't mm. need to sort of preach that if that makes any sense if people like nature they're going to want to do something about it it's just about education and empowerment um yeah. but no like quite frankly like it's I, I didn't like the people i was working for <laughs> um and i was like i'm not doing this anymore like i see through all of these tricks and things you're trying to pull on people it doesn't sit well with me as a person and my values um but i want to help people and again how can i do that through film so yeah. here we are today and again a, i think i say all of that but man it's been a grind <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how close how close what you said when you were talking about the gym mm. and the issues you had around the gym it's amazing how close that was to what i said in a previous interview with a mm. scout leader okay. uh and and i basically had a bit of a rant myself a couple of minute monologue <laughs> basically saying about <laughs> mental health issues in the uk all across the world really and how we're declining 
as a species. And I think we've lost touch with the fact that we're animals. We're not designed to be in four walls. You know, we should be outdoors. And I mean, I don't, I know I don't struggle at all, really. With mental. My wife hates it. I'm just like that the whole time, just steady. <laughs> no fluctuation in, in my mental health at all. But even I say to her sometimes, when I, when I, when I need a reset, when just life gets a bit too much, the mortgage needs paying, the kids are better misbehaving and work sucks and you just need a reset. That reset for me, absolutely always, is just to go for a walk. Mm. I just, like I said, I was saying before we recorded this weekend, uh, I went and did a wild camp in the Carnids and I could feel myself dwindling a little bit, a little tired and lethargic back end of last week this week feel fantastic and it is that little reset and it's amazing what just getting out into nature can do just go for a walk Absolutely. yeah yeah that was it so like, why do we have to overcomplicate this why do we have to be on the latest fad diet like life is we are so simple if you take an animal hmm. an animal does what it does in the day you know sleeps at night or vice versa it eats this it just cra- and it moves throughout the day it's like we need to do that we need to eat close to nature live close to nature have community and for me it was like this very basic markers like I firmly believe that a lot of, a lot, not all, of mental health issues and struggles, um, particularly if they're, you know, up and coming, are due to a lack of something. It's a lack of connection with other people, a lack of connection with nature, it's a lack of sleep, it's a lack of eating well, it's um, being dehydrated, like all the very basic criteria that we need as living beings. And that's what I just sort of say to people. I was like, listen, before you you know you go to the doctors or you do this or you do that like it's like check in with yourself like get back into your system because technology and and life in the society um pulls us out of ourselves like we don't know what we actually need anymore because we're so used to googling it or you know asking for somebody else's opinion before we actually get into the nitty-gritty of ourselves like what is wrong right now you know oh yeah I am feeling a bit tired just like you said like you hit the nail on the head and then you knew what you had to do what's in your toolbox if you didn't have the time to go out for a wild camp you probably turn to something else like oh yeah no I'm gonna go for a ride or I'm gonna go climbing or whatever your favorite thing is you know um mm. and you fit it in and you make it happen but you know, we have to look after ourselves and that does mean feeling and that means we're gonna feel uncomfortable things <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> but it makes us much more sensual living beings because we're not not numb anymore you know we're actually whole Mm. as our as our being so yes yeah really (laughs) that's why that's why i picked up um paddleboarding as well because i think well wild camping going for really long hikes is my thing i like multi-day hikes with a wild camp or a body but that means leaving the wife and kids for two three days Mm. (laughs) if i've got a paddleboard i thought i could just nip to the local canal nip to the local river and just have an hour on the paddleboard and even then it's just like oh yeah loving this so you're the the spend more time in the wild brand has obviously grown considerably now it's become this thing which is i guess your life and is it is youtube so that i know you you have sort of dabbled in podcasts well haven't you but youtube's the main uh outlet for your content isn't it i mean i looked at i'm just going to get my notes up here actually because i thought I, i know you put a lot of content out but I didn't quite realise how much. I mean, I, I totted up in, on YouTube. If you go back on YouTube and look at every video and, the, and it says one month ago, two months ago, three months ago. In the last six months, I counted 27 videos in six right. months. That's, why That's a lot of content. And you've got 420 videos in total. Well, there you go. But how? Do, how? <laughs> how do you find time to do, to do stuff and get the content out at the same time? my friend is a very good question Um, (laughs) i think there's this thing called work-life balance that um, i heard of and haven't got anywhere close to (laughs) no you know what you you hit the nail on the head there like this is my life like i you know i ultimately i'm self-employed i'm a sole trader um so you know i operate as any other small business does except i don't (laughs) because every day is a working day um and i i live by that um I think, you know, I do miss out on a lot of social sides of things um, because, you know, I'm away on shoots. For example, like from now, um, we're, what are we, like, we're at the beginning of May, um, you know, between beginning of May now and the end of September, I've got about three, two and a half weeks at home um, because all of that time (laughs) is away solo on shoots. 
Um, nice. And, you know, therefore, I'm, I, I'm not here. I'm not with my dog. I'm not with my family. You know, I'm not doing this. I'm not seeing mates. Like, it's, it's really tricky. So the way I see it is I, had, I have an on and off season. So my sort of main shooting season is from April through to September. Um, and then that off season is I'm actually <laughs> it's sort of back home a little bit more. Um, and that's when the editing happens and, and you know, the, the real hard work screen time happens. Um, but no, like every, you know, every single day involves training. Every single day involves editing. Every single day involves planning for the next thing. Like it's it's absolutely all consuming. Um, yeah. I love it. There's days I hate it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it, it is a lot of hard work. And I think that's where sometimes I struggle and, and my mental health can be really impacted by what I do is when people just assume that, you know, I've got it easy and I've got it lucky. Like there has been nothing lucky about my life. Like it has been hard work since the age of 13. I have been working so hard, putting myself out there, you know, pushing boundaries, talking about difficult issues. And like, I'm not going to stop doing that um, because I care and, and I genuinely believe my sole purpose here on earth is to inspire and empower people to get outside and connect with nature because it's saving my life. And I just want to try and help other people do and feel the same. Um, Mm. so yeah. And, and, you know, swings and roundabouts because most of us like getting outside in nature without technology, but my main reason for getting outside in nature is to use technology. Um, you know, I'm Mm. creating a film, um, and, it has it highs it has its highs and lows um but yeah four four hundred odd films is it's been a long time in the making you know and there's there's plenty more to come <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think if you you know if you're looking at in looking out in well get my words out looking from the outside in if for someone is self employed i think you can automatically assume that it's a lot easier than it actually is and actually if you know someone who's self employed and you really dig dig down into sort of the the ins and outs of actually being self-employed it's not as easy as you think it's a constant worry isn't it constant yeah. stress and but if you're passionate about what you do what's the saying love what you do and you don't have to work a day in your life that's exactly and i suppose it. that's that's sort of the the route that you're you're, you're going down i guess yeah well um, it's, it's like you know why do i need a holiday i get to go to all these cool places wow, you know yeah. Don't get me exactly. wrong. It's like it, it's it's changing a lot. Like I'm trying to build much more of a quote unquote work relationship with what I do because when I am on the trail, it's so intense. You know, I'm doing mm. 16 plus hour days on my feet creating content. Like you only see mm. probably 10 percent of what I capture in an actual documentary film. Um, but it's it's not a holiday, and I think that's why I've hit burnout over and over again because I'm sort of actually learning to. Uh, respect to myself and my physical capabilities and my mental capabilities being vulnerable that time is really hard you know um and yeah it's it, it's an amazing amazing thing that I get to do and I love it um but I, I think it, I'm, I, I really I quite like talking about it actually because I think it sort of dispels the myth and encourages other people if they have a dream particularly in a creative endeavor it's like okay cool so I started wild in 2018 but it was only because of lockdown being furloughed at the gyms that I actually started to leave that part-time work on the side and go full-time with Wilds. And then YouTube mm. doesn't pay very much at all and you're completely out of control of it. So how else are you mm. going to make money? And that's where you really have to get savvy and get creative to make your business work. Um, and I also am a big believer in, you know, you don't always have to follow a conventional business model. So long as you can make it work, so long as you meet your needs and your family's needs, then crack on with it. You know, like life yeah. is for living and... It shouldn't always be like, oh, I have to go to work today. It's like, I get to go to work today. Look at what I get to do. And what an amazing thing that is to be in that position now, you know. Oh, what a lovely psyche to have. I mean, I think I, I personally, myself, I, I was sort of born and raised in a pub. <laughs> so that that's my career. I, yeah. I made a career out of selling to pubs in the end. So that's my day job as oh, I, I go around the country flogging booze and soft drinks to pubs it's not exactly it's not exactly world world changing stuff um a few years ago i did think whether i could make the outdoors a bigger part of my life and it never really happened i think kids come along and uh i was doing okay in my career and stuff but there's always oh, i've always needed that outlet and so i think that's kind of where this podcast has come from to be honest with you it's like a little side project a little hobby it's quite cool i like it i'm enjoying doing it and so the thought of i said to you last time it's like talking to royalty when you see someone who's made made a career <laughs> made a career out of making YouTube videos. It's yeah. brilliant. I have a different hat. The thing, 
Oh, uh, yeah, and that, yeah. I do, um, I do, uh, the thing I do like about your videos is um, the variety that you do as well. Uh, not just in terms of where you go and what you do, but in terms of um, sort of length of the content as well. That you, if you've got some long form stuff on there, some feature length stuff, essentially. Mm. I think I watched something uh, you did in Iceland. It's a couple of hours long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, real, you know, the journey was amazing. By the way, I'll come. I'll, I'll do a review of it in uh, in one of the future podcasts. Um, but then there's also little snippets as well. Um, various parts of the UK. What I'm wondering is, is there any part of the UK you've not been to? Because <laughs> you seem to have done pretty much every single trail that I can think of, particularly the well-known ones. What's your, what's been your favourite thing that you've done? What's your, not necessarily your favourite video, because that's like choosing your favourite child, but perhaps your favourite part of the UK to explore. Do you know what? That is a, this is a nasty question. <laughs> um, what, what I can say is 2021. I did a big cycling project with my partner called Abbey Bikes Britain. And um, basically yes. travelled from the north of the country, which is done at Head, yeah. down to the south of the country, which is the Lizard Point in Cornwall, um, via every single national park. And we hiked to the highest point of every single national park. So it was this ridiculous zigzag on the map, um, up and down the country, all over the place. Um, and the goal was obviously creating a film, working with National Parks UK um, to try and make the under- or share the understanding that the green spaces are and should be accessible for all um, the reality is they're not so we discussed some of those difficult issues um, and barriers to people accessing the outdoors um, yeah but that definitely took me like all over the country to every crack and corner you know from right in the, the intricate areas of Pembrokeshire to obviously the north of the mainland um, which is barren and desolate and there's no trees and I like trees um, <laughs> so yeah it was it was this wild immense journey with ridiculous ups and downs um like metaphorically speaking and literally um but for me that's that's <laughs> been definitely one of my favorite experiences because it was so varied um it was 2000 miles it was 55 days on the road living out of a van which my partner was driving um and i can i can tell you this there was life before abbey bikes britain and there's life after abbey bikes britain like it <laughs> has fundamentally changed me and my perspective on the world because you know what i had to push so hard for that not in a physical sense weirdly i was fine with that but mentally like the the work i had to do on myself to keep going um not with the cycling because as i say that was the easy bit but to keep going with just like life and the challenges that were coming up like you you really build resilience in those times and the fact that i've done that has it has flipped on its head the belief that struggling is a bad thing like like struggling is an amazing thing because it's it's an opportunity to dig in deep it's an, an opportunity to get intimate with ourselves it's an opportunity to reach out for health and learn to build trust like it's 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 everything in in one like as an opportunity and i struggled so much and through all of those things yeah it's just it's 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 just made me so different so for me that's my favorite uh, met some awesome people, saw some super cool places. Um, oh, we did a random skydive in the middle as well, so that was fun. Um, oh, like you do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it was, it was great. Um, and yeah, so grateful for that experience. <laughs> oh man, I'm so delighted you said that actually, because you know what? I'm going to show you something. I've genuinely not been typing this while you've been talking, but I've got some notes on my phone about things that I want to question you about. What's the big <laughs> thing in, in capitals? why abb abb abby <laughs> bikes britain it's generally it's like the first thing one of the first things i wrote down i thought because yeah. i want to question you on sort of how that come about and stuff so i'm so i'm so happy you said that that wasn't planned by the way well there we go <laughs> it's in the magic uh, you make it you make me feel like i know what i'm doing like pointing you in the right direction and stuff i know yeah You're exactly <laughs> thanks for making me look good yeah <laughs> So you got all this YouTube content. Uh, some, I mean, I would encourage anyone to go to your channel. I mean, like I say, you've, there's there's something there for everyone. It does feel like you've done pretty much every UK trail. Uh, there's lots of stuff across the world as well. Um, conservation stuff, long form content, short form content. There's so much variety there. So I would encourage people to go there because there will be something of interest for everyone. And then you've also got uh, just moving on. You've got um, things these wild walks and bush bushcart weekends that you do as well now. Yes, exactly. Um, so, so coming back to how can I how can I make a difference? Like I spend a lot of time alone, which is fine because I'm not the most social person. Or let's just <laughs> say I have quite a shallow social cup. 
Um, <laughs> it fills up quite quickly. But yeah, uh, you know, how can I actually um, create more of a, a positive ripple effect, but in a, in a more one-to-one sort of basis? Um, and so I I trained as a mountain leader, again, back when I was 18. Um, but I only finished my assessment last year in April 2022. And it was because quite a challenging situation arose during my training. But I've, I became a Hill and Moreland leader. So this is all through um, the organization Mountain Training. If you're interested in sort of getting into outdoor work, um, really, really encourage it, even if you're just interested, because it's an amazing way to sort of build your confidence in, in the outdoors. Um, but yeah, Hill and Moreland Mountain Leader. Um, so qualified to take people out into the hills within Remit. Um, and basically just started doing that. So again, 2018, started running walks um, alongside working the gym, alongside making films. And, you know, had sort of few people coming along, just ran a few a year. Um, really, really great thing to have done. And I think, you know, starting so early means more than anything, word and ma- word of mouth is my biggest um, sort of marketing tool there. And a very high retention rate, which is, again, just a super cool thing. Like people are coming back year after year. And, oh, lovely. And I love yeah. that. Um, and so, yeah, it's, so basically I run a wild walk every month um, that I'm here in the UK, uh, if not two. Um, so, you know, up in the Lake District to down in Cornwall to every so often up in Scotland. Um, wherever it is and people can come along and hang out for the day um, and yeah in September of this year I'm running my first bushcraft weekend over in Kent um, which is with a good friend of mine sort of hosting it and I'm just there um, to sort of be there <laughs> but oh. yeah it should be really good and uh, as I say the, re- the reason why I do these is you know I believe in connection I believe in people coming together um, and, and accessing the outdoors and it helps to remove barriers particularly people who, who are very nervous um of you know going out on their own or whatever um and i will also say that the very very consistent feedback i get is that these group walks you know they're not like the long distance walking association or the ramblers where it's strangers like there's there is a a layer of depth that's just already there upon arrival because we're all connected through wild um and people feel like they know me so they're already coming with a friend as far as they're concerned and it just mm. it just means like the conversation flows like they're such fun encouraging walks and they're you know they're not usually too challenging i try and make i'll have a good variety um but yeah i love hosting them um i'm super grateful for for the opportunity to do that and showcase some really cool places across the uk with folks <laughs> And we usually oh, try and find a, co- a coffee and cake afterwards as well. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, there we go. Added bonus. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, it's such a cool thing to do. It's such, it's quite inspiring, really, when you speak to someone who's essentially sort of dedicating their work to helping others, which you might not look at it that way, but it, does, it really comes across that the passion you have for the outdoors and helping other people. It's, it really comes across. It's quite inspiring. So... We're sort of coming towards the end now. Uh, there's always one question that I ask people. I don't think I pre-warned you about this, actually. I normally pre-warn people, so I'm sorry right. if it sort of catches you out. <laughs> don't worry if you've not got an answer. There's one question I always ask people at the end of every interview, and that question is, what's the one thing that most people are surprised to find out about you? That is a very cool question. <laughs> and, like, you know, I'm like kind of glad you didn't pre-warn me because I would have been a sleepless night. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think people were surprised about me. Um, We've probably covered quite a few of them already. That's the issue, isn't it? Do you reckon? Hmm. Yeah. I think when you, you know, as, as somebody who you create a lot of content, you know, um, it sometimes feels like you're, you're telling your story over and over again. And I love questions like this because it's a chance to like just drop something really random in the mix. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know? I think. I think just to sort of stick with the theme and not go too gnarly because there's a couple of things in my head and I'm like, hmm, do I want to share those yet? Are they Ooh, really public? <laughs> you're going to have to share them now. You're going to have to share them now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you know, um, I think people are very surprised and that's the nice thing about when people come on the walks is, you know, they feel like they know me through the videos, but ultimately the video is a scripted, sculpted story. Like, it's edited. Um, and me as a person, when you actually spend time with me, I'm quite unedited. Um, and I remember when, uh, just randomly in a video, I introduced Anna, my partner, like that was very surprising for people, um, because I didn't have, oh, this is my big coming out moment. Cause I was like, I don't really, <laughs> I don't put myself in any kind of a box. I'm just me, you know? And I think yeah. that's kind of the real surprise for people is that like, 
I'm just me. Like it's, I'm very authentic. Um, like us interacting would be the same as anybody else I'm interacting with. Um, and you know, but there is a person behind the camera, um, who is shifting and changing and growing and working through challenges in identity and all sorts of different things. And they're not necessarily publicized. Um, but when you're on the walks, like we might have a little bit more of an intimate chat than would be in the films. And so I wouldn't say it's, I don't, that's what I mean. I don't want to hit the nail on the head and be like, oh, this is the one thing people are surprised about. But I think it's, you know, the, the videos are always a year behind. So like most recently I've just released my West Highland Way video, um, which I shot in April, 2022. That's literally just come out at the end of April, 2023. Mm. And I've just come off the sky trail. Um, so April, 2023, which will probably be out in 2024. So there's always a lag period and I'm always somebody slightly different. Um, but yeah, I think that's why, you know, metaphorically, I always encourage people to just be yourself, like be honest with yourself, be honest with the people around you as much as you can and just stick on that linear journey of growth because we're never the same. Um, and I'm not the same person that was, in, you know, in these first videos and I'm not the same person I was in April 2022. Um, I'm learning to expand myself and expand what feels comfortable to share and also just know that I don't have to share everything. Like, that's the other side of yeah. it. So. Yeah, oh, that feels like really confusing in my head, but it feels important to say because it's just something people often get wrong. Like I am yeah, somebody yeah. different to who's on the screen because I'm constantly growing and changing and we all are. And I think it's a really, really good mm. thing. It does come across, actually. I think having watched a couple of your videos, you have a sort of a preconception, don't you, before you meet someone, having the amount of content that you have out there. Uh, and yeah, having spoken to you for the last hour, it, you come across, you, you do have your opinions and you're not afraid to say them. Nah. And it's, it's, well, it's nice, you know, it's good. Yeah. I think, you know, I have an opinion, but my overriding opinion is everyone's entitled to their opinion. Well, there we go. <laughs> there was a lot of opinions in one sentence, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's been absolutely lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on. If, um, if anyone needs to, wants to find you or get involved in what you do, uh, where's the best place to send people? Uh, well, I think naturally my YouTube channel is a great place to escape. Um, I really encourage people to dive in deep. Like there's so much stuff there. It's easy to, to get lost. Um, so, you know, find somewhere to start and work your way out. Um, but I would encourage people there as well. Really be open to the message. Like I shoot these films for a purpose. Uh, there's a deeper message and you can take it or leave it, you know. Regarding social media, Instagram's the main place. I'm, I'm half decently active. Social media is a bit of a push for me, but I'll jump on. Um, yeah, and otherwise, you know, I'd love to see you guys on a wild walk. If you're in the area, please drop a, drop a, drop in. We'll get the words out. Um, it's all on my website, spendmoretimeinthewild.co.uk. Um, there's lots of different things on there, from merch to the walks to the podcast. I'll also share your podcast on there, Rob. Um, but, yeah, on that note, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure to have this conversation. You're great fun to talk to. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll be tuning in in the future, that's for sure. Oh, amazing. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really do appreciate it. And in, uh, uh, enjoy your time away between now and September. I'm jealous. <laughs> it's time to get busy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rob. You take care. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Outdoors Adventure Podcast. If you've enjoyed, please rate, review, follow, subscribe, all the usual stuff that I ask you to do. Next week, I'll be bringing out an episode talking about the news. Any news that's been happening in the outdoors world for the last six weeks. Catch you next time. <laughs>